Are you guys excited? Sorry. Oh. I have yeah. to interrupt you one more time. Right. Um, the kids, um, if you're in kids ministry, um, primary school age and prep even, um, can I invite you to come to the kids area now? Um, we're just going to practice our song item for Christmas. Oh, Thanks, guys. Okay, kids. See you later. Are we good? All right, I'm just going to keep talking. Why don't we just pray? Lord, we just thank you that it is seven days before Christmas. Lord, the, we thank you for your goodness in sending your one and only son, Jesus, and from which comes forth the whole true reason for living and celebrating in this season. Help us, Lord, hearken to your word this morning. I thank you, God, that it is your word that brings life irrespective and in spite of the messenger, but it is your message of hope and encouragement that changes lives. So, Lord, I ask that you would anoint the hearers Help me communicate what you've laid in my heart. Lord, at the end of the day, God, may much fruit grow from the seeds that are planted this morning. In Jesus' name, everyone say? Amen. Amen. All right, I'm just going to give it a few more minutes, Ivan, and then uh, if that doesn't work, I'll go back to handheld. We're just testing a few things as we get ready for our new church. So uh, this is a new toy that uh, the boys have been uh, working with. Um, I'm here to talk about the third line in our Beatitudes that we're going through the series, Blessed are those who weep, uh, weep, for you shall laugh. Um, let me just run my slides. Okay, Chris is giving me the look. <laughs> one last time. Well, sound guy's saying just keep going. All right, let me just keep going one more time. If I hear a bit more feedback, we're off. Okay. So why are we studying the Beatitudes a week before Christmas? And I think here is the reason. Because the Beatitudes are, the, are a couple of statements that Jesus makes, uh, both in Matthew and Luke, gives us a glimpse of God's perspective on what truly matters. You know, last week, uh, a number of us uh, were quite excited, and maybe parents, you were nervous. Why? Because the VCE scores were out. Hands up, all our VCE students. A few, eh? anyone? No? All gone on holiday in the cruise? Well, okay. Hand up if you are a parent of a VCE student, right? Were you nervous last week? And, uh, you know, congratulations to and many of us who had gone through, I know Rach and Josh and a few others that have gone through and you have been studying, uh, you, know, you know, you've done 12 years of hard work. Well, I've got good news for you. You never actually stop learning, yeah? And uh, not only that, you get the bonus of paying taxes when you start working. So, come and join the ranks of the employed. But imagine if you are a VCE student and you knew all the answers to the exam question before you walked in. How amazing would that be? Imagine that. You've been studying, but you actually know the questions that they'll be asking you for the exam. And not only that, imagine if you had the answers to those questions. I mean, no point knowing the questions, you don't know the answers, right? It's just like, what's the point? But imagine if you had both the questions and you knew the answers. Would you be confident? Would you be really sure? Would you go out and party the night? Tell the truth? Probably, right? Why? Because you knew the questions. You knew the answers. You kind of know the grade you want to aim for. And so it's pretty, uh, it's pretty cruising, right? Well, the Beatitudes is a little bit like that because it actually tells us from God's perspective what He really cares about. It gives us a glimpse of, from God's perspective, what the exam question is. And he tells us what the answers ought to be. 
And that's why the last couple of weeks as we head and close out the year, we want to start focusing on just a key, couple of key principles that will help position us for 2017. We have two more Sundays, I think, before the new year. It's a time where we make new resolutions. It's always good that we put on God's glasses, right? Um, so let's just go through the Beatitudes real quick. Let's read together. One, two, three. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Now Chris has covered poor and hungry the last couple of weeks, and this Sunday we're going to focus on um, the weeping bit. So I told Chris, it's a really hard topic when everyone is happy that you threw this at me. 30 years I've known you, you couldn't pick an easier topic for me to preach on, right? You've got to preach on weeping, right? So, um, you know, it reminds me of a joke I heard recently where um, the, uh, the prisoner was escorted as a death row inmate. inmate. Uh, it was his last uh, meal, and, uh, and the warden said, all right, it's your last meal, what would you like? What would you like? He says, I would like some Alaskan lobsters. He said, well, it's not in season now. You have to wait another year. He says, it's okay, I can wait. <laughs> the same prisoner, then when his time came, they marched him into the electric chair and he sat down, right? And uh, they strapped him up and the chaplain came. It was all grim and really nervous and they, he started reading him his rights, you know, and making sure everything's all right, everything's in order. And the warden's about to flip the switch uh, to send a thousand watts of electricity through his body, and so the chaplain asked him, okay, this is it. Any last requests? So he looks at him and says, can you hold my hand? <laughs> Blessed are you who weep, for you shall laugh. I'm giving you a preamble. You know, when I read the Bible, there, there are many ways to read the Bible. I, I kind of, because I like spy stories, and, and my wife knows that, you know, I, I like plots, and I like to read, uh, and, and I try to find stories behind. So when I approach a scripture like this, and there are many ways to read the Bible, right? I always say, you know, Chris obviously does a lot of study, he translates to Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic and all five different languages before he gets the truth, which is great, so that's why, you know, he's here. I look at it from a story standpoint. I look at it a bit from a textual and, and English. So I noticed two things about this scripture. I'm, I'm sure there's plenty more, but I didn't have very much time. So I've noticed two things. So uh, putting on my, our English hat, so VC students, you would have done compare contrast, right, in your school, right? Compare contrast. A uh, couple of things if you notice. So there's poor, there's hungry, and weep. All of these things are undesirable, of course, right? You don't want to be poor, hungry, or crying, or mourning. Uh, but interestingly enough, that the opposites uh, are contrasted for two of those conditions, but not one of those, right? So if you look carefully at the text, it says, blessed are the uh, hungry, for you shall be satisfied or filled. So opposite of hungry is being filled. Oh, okay. Blessed are you who weep, for you shall laugh, right? If you're crying, then the opposite of crying is laughter, Right? But it's quite interesting in the first instance, blessed are you who are poor, and you will think the opposite of poor would be rich. But God doesn't say that. Blessed are the poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Eh? Blessed are the hungry, Phil, I get that. Blessed are the weep, laughing, I get that. Blessed are the poor, for yours is the kingdom. 
I wonder why God didn't say, blessed are the poor, for you shall be rich. Because I think both poor and rich is not a state of necessarily the size of our credit card or wallets, right? I think it was trying to communicate to us that it's something deeper, that a poor man can be rich and a rich man can be poor. Amen? A poor man can be rich and a rich man can be poor. But no matter what, God is talking about the condition of our hearts. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Just hold that thought for a sec. Then it goes on. The second observation I make is this whole notion of time. See, there's the word now that appears in two conditions, but not the first. You see that? Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now. Come on, play with me. Yep, yep, pay attention. Now. For you shall be, for you shall laugh. So there's this whole notion of time between the change of states. Blessed are you who are poor, uh, sorry, who are hungry now, for you shall be filled. Blessed are you who are who weep now, for you shall laugh. There is time element that takes place from one state to the other. There is a time that takes place. Something happens between an undesirable state to a state where you're fulfilled. And the concept of time is there. Quite interesting. But it is not there in the first one. How come? Blessed are the poor. Now? Tomorrow? No. Blessed are the poor. Period. For theirs is the kingdom of God. It is as if God is saying to us, the moment you and I recognize that we are poor, Instantly, we understand and we inherit the kingdom of God. As often as we recognize that we are poor, impoverished, and Chris has preached about that, being poor is not the size of our wallets, as I've said, but it has to do with the condition of our hearts, knowing that in and of ourselves, we cannot do good, we cannot approach God, we cannot save ourselves, only God can. Each and every time we understand that, guess what? We inherit, we are exposed, and we have all of God's provision and His kingdom at our disposal. That's good. I only got one amen. All right, the rest of you, just keep following. All right, slowly, you'll get it. That's one part. Blessed are the poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Quite interesting. I'll come back to this scripture in a while. But you get that? So when you read the Bible, read it critically, right? Um, so here's my notes. Because the moment I realize I'm poor, I come to him and say, Jesus, help instantly. Romans 10 says, at a confession of our mouth and our faith in our hearts, we are saved. Nothing to do with our works. The moment we recognize that we are poor, we need God, we have access to all of God's kingdom resources. Amen? I have full access to entire resources of His kingdom. I'm an heir. I'm a son. Why is that important? Because unless and until we have access to the kingdom resources, kingdom mindset, kingdom tools and weapons, the time between the changing of states, weeping to laughing, um, hungry to being filled, it becomes quite difficult. There I say quite impossible because it's only through using and living with the kingdom mindset and with God's provision can we actually get there. No wonder the song says, give thanks. Uh, the song says, and give thanks, let the poor say, I'm rich when I have access to all of God's accounts. I am by nature rich. Amen? All right, so far so good. So let's focus a little bit about blessed are those who weep now for you will laugh. And, and the, the contrary, um, I mean, the complimentary verse is in Matthew where he expands a little bit more. It says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. 
So let's dive a little bit deeper into this whole two concepts. It doesn't make sense, right? If you weep, how can you laugh? If you mourn, yeah, how can you be comforted? Well, here's the thing with society today. There is a stigma associated with, being weep, uh, with, with a state of grieving or weeping, right? Or being poor or hungry. We don't like it, particularly during the season. Uh, there is plenty going around in Australia. And, uh, you know, when, when we talk about weeping, we don't like that. We grew up, people say, don't cry like a baby. Grown men don't cry, right? So society tells us there is a stigma it's a sense of shame and humiliation if we show our tears because it's a sign of weakness, right? We men are meant to be tough, to have it all together. We wipe away our tears. We go to the funerals and wear these big goggles, all dark, right? And you're like, are you crying? Nope, 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 nope. There's something in my eye, Poland. <laughs> Why? Because we don't like to be in a state where we're vulnerable. And yet the Bible says, blessed, which means, as Chris said, truly happy. Huh? Truly happy are you when you weep. Really? That's the furthest thing we want to be. And so, you know what? We, we cover up with a whole bunch of things. I laugh about the, you know, Calvin Klein bug goggles, but we self-medicate. We, some, you know, we go into endless and meaningless relationships. We gorge ourselves. We do a whole bunch of things uh, to either cover, to bury, to displace it, but you don't want to talk about it. Why? Because there is a stigma associated with weeping and crying. Oh, stay. This must be the zone. All right, let's just stay here. You're cramping my style, guys. But you know. All right. What gives birth to weeping? Grieving. Often, I'm not talking about the tears of joy, right? When you win the lottery, well, you shouldn't be playing the lottery. But <laughs> grieving is a state that often is accompanied by weeping. Would you agree? And the deeper the sense of loss, the stronger and not, the more intense the feeling of grieving. And the prolonged period of the mourning or the tears. Would you agree? So three nights ago, I came back from work. I was hungry and I was cold. And I noticed that one of our pet goldfish had died. Yeah. Yeah. We had four. Now we're down to one. <laughs> Can I confess to you, I didn't shed a tear. Yeah. Hey, don't get me wrong, I am an equal opportunity fish lover, all right? I love fish as much as you Asians out there, especially when it's steamed with ginger and you know, shallots, right? I, I love fish. In fact, I love fish so much, one day my kids, I think Emerson, when he was uh, in kindergarten or, or, or prep, he brought back two fish, two goldfish, and said, Dad, We've got this project. I brought the two fish home. I were meant to name the fish. What name should I call it for school? I said, whoa, think about it. Why do you call it sushi and sashimi? <laughs> that didn't go very well, right? With, uh, so, yeah, so just tell your kids, uh, nah, yeah, but I, I love fish. But it was quite different when our 15-year-old Labrador, Zoe, died. Because I had come back from, we had Zoe when she was a baby. We picked her out. In fact, she picked us because one of the things we went, there was a litter of 12 or whatever, and we said, whichever ones that came to us, we will take that home. And so Zoe was the one that came running to us. Everyone else ran around us, but Zoe ran to us. And so we saw her. We kept her in the little laundry room that we had 
didn't mind that she was dirty and she didn't quite learn the rules of engagement yet, that you shall not choose slippers of your master. <laughs> it's okay. He didn't mind that she would pull us along as she grew bigger because she was big and strong and Denise was, you know, half a size. Right? No, not, not quite, but you know. But when we had to put her down, oh, it was tough. Because the longer, the greater the sense of loss, the greater the period of grieving, right? In 1999, as I was working in Unisys, I received a call one evening at about five, and it was a call that I didn't want to receive. It was from my mom, and she was in Malaysia. She said, son, I think it's time. So up to that point, dad had been diagnosed with uh, chronic myeloid leukemia. Brother Yang and uh, you know, Sister Yang, they would know. And dad was at his deathbed. And it was a call that I was hoping to avoid, but... Uh, I said, okay. So I put my work affairs in order. I jumped onto a plane, and I arrived in KL uh, early in the morning. So I jumped on a cab, took me to the oncology ward uh, in uh, University Hospital, and I made my cold and very lonely walk up to my dad's hospital bed. And so there he was. You know, he used to be a strong man. He was a principal of a secondary school. And he was a shell of his former self. Lying there, he had tubes running over with an EKG monitor and, you know, and all those things. And, and I, I went in, my mom was there, and there was a couple of tears. And, and I hugged my sister, and I saw my dad. And, uh, you know, we spent some time there. I don't think dad knew that we were there, consciously at least. Uh, but I was there, and, uh, you know, at about 3 o'clock, I remember vividly, Something just moved me, and the family had gone, I think, to get some food or whatever, and I just went to Dad's side, and I just held his hand, and I whispered to him, I said, Dad, I am here. And I said, if you want to go, it's okay. Thank you for waiting. I'm here. It's okay. I'll look after Mom. And uh, I remember distinctly at that moment, I, I, I wept. I was sad. And Dad was still there, and I just said, Dad... If you want to go home, I'll see you on the other side. Keep a spot for me, yeah? Because Dad always knew me as a joker. I don't think many things have changed. And then at about 5 o'clock, I got the family together. I had the privilege of reading the last rites. I read out Psalm 23, my father's favorite verse. You know, the one that says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down beside green pastures. And that was his favorite verse. And uh, he would teach that even in the home fellowship, and he, he loved that. And, and so we got a family together, and I was, you know, as I was reading, I was watching the EKG monitor as I was reading the, the, the psalm. It was going through the psalm, and his heartbeat was going slower and slower until it reached the final verse. It says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And the moment I said forever, he flatlined. It was as if God sent two angels, one named goodness and one named mercy, to accompany him into the next life. I grieved and I wept. But I did not grieve and weep as much as my mom. Why? Because the greater the sense of loss, the deeper the mourning and the longer the tears fall. Because I would hear mom during the early mornings of the night just crying. 
Because why wouldn't you, having been married to over 30 odd years, raising two children, putting them through school and university, why wouldn't you suddenly come home and, and, and wish for someone to hug you and it's a cold, empty bed? The deeper the sense of loss, the longer the period of mourning. And thank God, over time, you know, mom's gotten better and you guys know her. She's happy in the States at the moment. She says hi to all of you, together with two of our kids. But time does heal somewhat. But I wanted to emphasize, I'm not trying to downplay the grieving bit because sometimes it's quite easy in this happy season for us to downplay it and not talk about it. Because grieving, mourning, tears, is not a stigma. It is very much a part of our human life. We are frail because of that. And someday all of us will need to face that. Yeah? However, there is hope yet. But before we get to that, let me talk about two kinds of grieving. And this is what Paul writes about in 2 Corinthians 7 verse 10. He says, For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There is no regret for that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. There's a kind of sorrow that God wants us to experience that leads us away from sin and leads us to God. And that's the kind of sorrow and grieving that I believe Jesus is talking about when He says, truly happy are you, Roger, when you grieve, when you mourn, when you mourn for the condition of your own heart, when you realize that in and of yourself, you cannot, you will not, you could never come close to salvation. You could never. But you know what? The moment you realize that you are poor and you're grieving for your sin, the moment instant access you have to the kingdom of God and all that God has for you and I. Isn't that powerful? There is no time dependency on that. The moment you and I realize that we are poor, impoverished, and in need of a Savior, it's the instant God says, today you shall be with me in paradise. Wow, that's the kind of God we serve. For God wants us to experience grieving and mourning. Yes, it's only for a season, by the way, because remember the time element now? And Peter tells us, <clears throat> God has kept for us an inheritance that will never fade or perish. So the tears that you go through now, let me encourage you, the hardships that you go through now, and young people, I'm not talking just about not having battery or Wi-Fi, yeah? I'm talking about real grieving and mourning, not like the goldfish. It must lead us back to God. It must point us back to God. Amen? So we know that grieving gives birth to weeping. And now I'm transitioning. What gives birth to laughter? What gives birth to laughter? Joy. Joy gives birth to laughter. Grieving is that inward condition, evidence out by weeping. Joy is the inward condition, evidence out or born. When the fruit comes out of joy, is laughter. So we want to go from a state of grieving to a state of joy because what we want is the evidence not of weeping necessarily, but we want one of laughter, of mirth, which is where the holiday and the whole silly season is about, except they have substituted real joy with stuff. I want to focus back, us back on real joy. 
So who is the giver of that joy? Well, in your Psalms, David says, You, God, have taken my mourning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy. And then Paul writes this very interesting scripture, For the kingdom of God... Ooh, that sounds familiar. Where did we read that before? He brings it up again. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, although there'll be plenty of that in, in Christmas Eve next week, Dad, in your place. But uh, there'll be plenty of eating and drinking. But more than that, but of righteousness, peace, and... Everybody say? Joy. joy. Righteousness, peace, and? Joy. joy in the Holy Spirit. That's why next year I'm really excited we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. Yeah, but here is this contrast. The kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, and joy. Now do you see why Jesus starts off his Beatitudes by saying, blessed are the poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. That is the first step before we start changing states. That is the first sustainable step. You can self-medicate, you can do all the stuff you want, but it will not be long-term or sustainable. But the moment we recognize that we are poor, that is such a key that unlocks all of heaven's resources. We are instantly accessed. We have access to the kingdom of God. Right. I borrowed this from Chris, you. Kids time. Children, where are you? Are they all gone? Adults can play as well. Adults can play. Imagine if you need $50, what would you do? This is when the kids, Ethan, if you need $50, what do you do? You, don't be shy, you just ask dad, right? <laughs> if you need $50, what would you do? Well, you would go to one of these, right? Okay, and then you would stick in, oh, sorry, you would stick in one of these, right? And then magic happens, you get that. Woo, happy days. So you keep going, okay, I need money, I go there, and I get cash. Rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, until one day you get and down down. Oh, <laughs> problem now, because it's a debit card, not a credit card, right? So what, when our kids were growing up, you know, I said, oh, dad has no cash, and, 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 and I think it was, it was you, Ethan, when you were really young, and you say, dad, just go to one of those red things. Stick your card in, and money comes out. Just put it in. You know, just take the card, any card, just stick it in and money comes out. <laughs> it's very hard to teach him this principle. You can only take out what you put in. Right? If you haven't put anything in, you can't take it out. You can't put in your student card. You can't take someone's card. I mean, I could take Chris's card. I might even know his pin. But eventually, I'll go to jail, Right? Hopefully you visit me. But you can only take out what you've put in. Right, children? So there's no such thing as a free happy lunch. Right? Um, so that got me thinking. And the analogy is this. You see, the kingdom of God, it's like this giant bank. By the way, that never runs out of funds. Right? It's God's unlimited resources. Our ATM card... It's like our own experiences, our own account of our walk with God that we have learned from, that we've walked through with Him through years, and years not necessarily by time, but years through experiences. 
Because you could be a 30, 40, 50-year-old Christian in age, but actually still be a baby or a toddler. Or you could be a young person, but you've had walk and you've had a mature relationship with God. So the ATM card, it's like our individual bank account. You and I need to have our own account. But even having our own account, guess what? Having access to the kingdom of God, which we all ought to have, right? Because we realize we are poor in spirit and we say, Jesus, you are Lord, and instantly we are Christians. Does that mean you can draw down all of heaven's resources like that? Does that mean he just automatically transfers it all? He puts it in your name for sure, but you still have to stick something in. You still have to transfer it to your account. You've got to take it out. You've got to be faithful with how you spend it. And then God fills that up. So far, so good. But sometimes I have a problem when I've got all these things going on and then the ATM tells me this message. That is a good time to tell a Christian from a non-Christian because it's very hard. Because I'm standing in front of the ATM and I want to curse the ATM like Jesus cursed the fig tree. <laughs> I can't remember the number. Was it one, this, four, two, four, six? Eight. What number you've checked? You have exceeded maximum numbers. Your card has been withheld. You look around and you said you wish there was the same for everyone else lining up, right? Because you can't get your cash. Why? Because you've forgotten what? The pin. So here's this. You got a bank. You got your own card with your name, Tony. You got all the account in there, all the experiences. God has been faithful with you. Great. But for the particular moment, stresses of life, you know, maybe too much Christmas shopping, you forgot the pin. And so you can't access any of that. What's the point? What is the pin? Come back next week, okay? We tell you the pin. <laughs> Let me check my notes first here. Yeah. Before I get to the pin, I, I was listening to T.D. Jakes, um, I think last week, and he said this interesting thing. Write this down. If we don't earn it, we won't learn how to use it. If we don't earn it, we won't learn how to keep it. And if we don't earn it, we won't learn how to grow it. If we don't learn through the experiences that God gives us for ourselves, then come times of grieving and difficulty, it will come to everyone. Maybe at different forms, but that's part of life. Jesus said, in this life you will have trials and tribulation, but rest assured, I have overcome. It will come in different forms. If we don't learn to download and use it, guess what? We won't learn how to keep it. So here's where I think what the pin is. I think praise and worship is the pin. Here's why. Oftentimes, if I look at my own life, I forget important things because I'm stressed. There's too many things going around. And then who knows, we have, you know, clients yelling at you, you got the deliverables, you got all these things, you got quota you have to meet, you got all these things you got to do, church building, home building, lab I'm building it for work, all these sorts of things. So you forget. And then it drowns out the voice of the Holy Spirit. 
Kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. But we drown the voice of the Holy Spirit because all this stuff. Also, bless Gerald who's staying with us and I was sharing about how he's heard the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's the same voice for the last 14, 15 years, consistent. But you know, what happens is we, it gets drowned out by the challenges of life. And I think when we worship God and we spend time in praise to God, what happens? Our eyes are lifted from our situation to that of how great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. Or we say, bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul. Why? Because we suddenly our eyes are lifted up. Where does my help come from? Jehovah Jireh, my provider, His grace is sufficient for me, for me, for me. Suddenly our eyes are shifted from our current situation. You know, in a church service, let me just be frank with you. One and a half hours we're here together. Which part of the service do you think, this might be controversial, Chris, but which part of the service do you think God values the most? What? Okay, the whole part. That's it. Wasn't a trick question. But if, if you could, I, I, we don't know what God values, right? Okay. Out of the whole part of the service, which part do you think God values and kind of, you know, it's like, ah, the most? The sermon? You think God goes, man, I can't wait to hear Rod's preach today. Maybe I'll learn something new. <laughs> I've never seen that scripture before. Blessed are the poor. Now, why did I think about that? Now it's there. Oh, Rod, you're such a good preacher. Oh, can't wait. <laughs> you guys should all pay attention. Which part? All right, now, important for us as a church to be balanced. Why? Because we want to teach the word, we want to learn the word so we can live our lives, right? But you know, if you put yourself in the shoes of the customer, as we're told right now, put yourself in the shoes of the audience of one God, which part of the service do you think is the most important one to God? Praise and worship. Now, is it because God is so insecure, He needs you to tell Him how great is our God? No? You think so? He goes, today I'm not so sure if I'm that great. Let me just go and listen to Radio FGAM. <laughs> Let me just go buy a Hillsong CD and just see what these guys are saying about me. Because you know what? They may not think I'm great anymore. They may think Santa Claus is great. You think God is like that? I don't think so. But I think it's important to us because of verses like this. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Why? Because when we do that, guess what? Our eyes shift. As often as we do this, I think it's like putting on the pin. It's accessing the kingdom account. Come, Keith. Come and help me preach and close out the service. When we do that, we're pressing, say, God, I'm coming in. That's why I'm always harping about, please come early on time for your worship. Because from God's perspective, the worship service is, is the most important bit for Him, I think. Why? Because we get to give Him something out of our own volition. Yes, He values our giving. He values the fellowship and He speaks to us through His Word. Of course, it's His Word. Of course, He loves His Word. But you know what? Worship and praise is something that we give voluntarily out of our own accord, and we say, God, I, I come this morning, and uh, oh, life's a bit of a mess, God. I just lost my pet goldfish, or I've just lost my dad. It kind of sucks right now, but I come anyway to give you a sacrifice of praise. And I come anyway, God, to, um, to say, I haven't got it all together. I, 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 uh, 
Ah, I need you again. I blew it and I lost my job again. I just got served my divorce papers and it's kind of rough, God. But you know what? I'm going to praise you anyway. Why? Not because I wallow in my current pain or grieving, because of the word now. Now is a good word. Because now I might feel it's rough. But I shall overcome. I shall be satisfied. Now might be tough. I might be jobless and the accounts might be dry. But I shall be filled. But until such time, until such time, I am here. And this is the scripture, my last one for the day. It talks about the pilgrimage that the Israelites went through. Remember, as they erected the temple and the whole worship proceedings, that they were to come and offer three sacrifices a year, the different feasts. Beautiful verse in Psalm 84 says, Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Selah, pause, reflect, think about it. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. You clothe me with the oil of gladness. In whose hearts are the highways to Zion? As they go through the valley of Baca, do you know Baca means weeping? As you go through the valley of weeping, they make it a place of springs. Oh, how would you do that in a dry and arid land? As the Israelites had to journey through between two mountaintops, through this valley that's dry and nothing kind of lives there. The scripture says as they go through the valley of weeping, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from what? They go from what? They go from what? Strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. My friends, everyone, each one of you, each one of us makes it up. Maybe not now, but we shall. Maybe not right now, now, but you shall. How do you make a dry place a place of springs? I will make you come back next week. How do you make a dry place if you're going through a desert, a place of springs? What do you do? You pray? Okay, yeah, you pray. Come on, shut up. I'm almost finishing. Uh, yeah, that's very, uh, yeah, but practically, how do you make the desert? If you are going through a desert, how do you make it a place of springs? Where is the spring? Where is the spring? No, underground, see? All of you are very spiritual, which is good, right? That's the answer. Hang on. What do you need to do to get underground? You? What? You dig. You dig. You keep digging. You dig. You dig and dig and dig and dig. And don't worry, because the scripture tells us as you make it a place of springs, God fills that spring up with rain. Our jobs do what? Dig. 
Our job is to dig. Just keep digging. Just keep doing what you're doing. Say, God, I'm praising you. I'm digging. It's a bit tough. A bit dry. Just keep digging. Where's Harold? One line at Harold. Keep digging. Just keep digging. It's tough right now. Keep digging. As you're digging, remember, blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Hallelujah, God. Oh, I worship you, Lord. Oh, it's tough, man. It's hard, God. Wish I had a Gatorade, but oh, it's tough. But Lord, my strength is in you. I'm weeping right now. I'm sad. It's tough. But God, I'm digging. Digging, 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 digging. My eyes are on you. My eyes are on you. Are you blessed? Good work. Should we collect the offering now? I'm just kidding. Let's stand. I want to pray for you, and I want to end with every praise. Let's bring the band up. Now, I don't want to gloss over the challenges and difficulties that we're having, all right? It's, for some of us, it might be tough. Let's kill the lights. I want to take a few moments. If you are going through a period of mourning and grieving and your uncertainty, I'd like to pray for you. If that's you, while all eyes are closed, if you could just raise both your hands, I want to pray for you. Later on, if you want to come up for ministry, Chris and I and a few of our pastors, and we'll be here in our, in our prayer team. But if you're going through a period of grieving right now and it's tough and the tears are flowing, I want to encourage you, don't stop digging. I want to encourage you at the sound of my voice, don't stop, don't quit get digging. Because the autumn rains will come. Because blessed are the poor when we realize that we cannot fix it ourselves. That's when you have access to His kingdom. It's unlimited. Amen. Hallelujah. If that's you this morning, would you just raise both your hands and say, God, I come. And as my hands are lifted up, it's an expression of me saying, God, I've set my face like flint. I am going to keep digging. I'm going to keep praising you. And I'm going to fix my eyes on not just the now, but the shall. Because it's a promise. It's a promise that I will inherit. It's a promise. Not just now, but forever. Today, Jesus says to the thief, you will be with me in paradise. So if you're digging and it's tough, let me encourage you, friends. Blessed are those who weep now, for you shall laugh. May the joy of the Lord that comes from the kingdom of God's heavenly vault fill you with His joy unspeakable. Hallelujah. <laughs> Father, I just thank you for your word today. Lord, now I ask, that you would confirm your word with signs and wonders in the hearts of men because that is the greatest sign and wonder you could ever do. Only you can change our hearts. So in this place of fellowship, under the glare and the light of the Holy Spirit, I ask and we pray and we invite you, Holy Spirit, come and change us, touch us, move us, remind us, inspire us, correct us, comfort us. That blessed are those who mourn, for we shall laugh. And you will turn our mourning into dancing. And I pray especially for all of those, my brothers and sisters whose arms are raised this morning, whatever the condition, whatever the grieving, whatever the mourning, 
I ask and I pray for, for, for your grace to be upon us in the now. Because you know, God, tomorrow is coming. A new day is coming. Our inheritance will never spoil or fade. And help us, Lord, above all else, never forget our pin code. Our eyes are on you, Lord God Almighty. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody sing. Hey, um, we're going to end the service with a song. I'm so grateful for Roger. Uh, you may not know this, but Roger and I grew up 